<laughs> Are we recording? Okay, good. So, Sean, for today's expose, I am choosing a very good character that fits with the theme of this episode. What do you think it is? Do you have any, any guesses? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Strong guy. <laughs> I am choosing Citarak. Oh. Get it? Best. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So he is an immensely powerful deity, ruler of the Crimson Cosmos, and supplier of power to his avatar, the unstoppable Juggernaut. So he just gives gives his power to people to use in his in his name. <laughs> um, he appears as a god, he appears as a demon sometimes. He was worshipped by people on Earth way back when. Um, <laughs> And his nearly unlimited mystical abilities. He first appeared in, well, he was first mentioned in Strange Tales number 124 in September 1964, but actually appeared in Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme number 44 in August 1992. So, yeah. Wow. Created well, by Stanley J. Kirby. <laughs> let me tell you this uh, Sidorak brings the drama. She is dramatic. She's probably going to be on RuPaul season 16, but I'll talk about that more when we get to the end of the episode. Now she okay. stirs up the pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go. I want to go. Gene. Scott. Gene. Welcome to this week's Solving for X. My name is Sean, the ultimate excavationist. And I'm something of an X fan myself, Kevin. And how cool is this? We have Joshua with us from Casanova Films. Joshua uh, came into the DMs because you are putting together a live action X-Men movie. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. um, Again, thanks for having me. so it started with the X-Men Origins Jubilee fan film that we did, which is the five-minute short film. And um, since then, we've been developing the X-Men Sinister Saga Kickstarter campaign, which we actually just launched yesterday. And I'm not sure if I had a chance to send you the, uh, the teaser or not, but um, it's out. We just dropped it, so... Really excited about this project. Fun. Nice. And yeah, I haven't seen the new teaser as of yet, but I did watch X-Men Origins Jubilee. I think everybody needs to pause this podcast and go watch it because it's amazing. I love the (laughs) characterizations. I love that Jubilee loves um, hot Cheetos. (laughs) It's just so much fun, and it just made me think of the animated series. Right, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to make. Yay. So what um, inspired you to start doing these live films? Um, well, uh, yeah, the X-Men Origins 
Jubilee is my first attempt at uh, even a superhero type film. And, um, you know, I wanted to start with somebody that I loved and then somebody that can also give me a good base. And I thought, you know, who better than Jubilee, seeing as she was pretty much the first one we were introduced to with the animated series. So I just had a lot of nostalgic attachment, I think, to her. And uh, we haven't really got to see her in the cinematic universe. Um, so that was, like I said, a good place to start. And then we just had such a good time doing it. And so many people wanted to get involved. And, um, you know, the ideas just keep keep coming because we have so much good source material to get inspired by so yeah it just kind of snowballed really quick into this kickstarter to doing the sinister saga which we plan on introducing a lot of kind of um, more underdog type characters and i think that's what people are kind of excited about is is seeing something different than what you know we get from like marvel so it's just yeah. been a lot of fun to kind of explore that and create our own universe too. You know, it has a much different vibe. It's um, the 1992, like that's actually the year we're starting in, but the, the new teaser takes place five years before that hmm. in 1987. Uh, I'm really the year I was born. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Awesome. I'm 84. Okay. <laughs> okay. The 84s get it then. Cause so am I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a baby now. <laughs> um, yeah, so. I think one thing that's exciting about at least the one I've seen, the Jubilee Origins, is we get to see the Jubilee in her actual outfit. Like we don't have the black spandex or like, you know, the kind of more realistic looking outfits. So I like that you went with more of the cartoonization of them and made it more fun and more happy like the cartoon. Yeah. So, um, I didn't want to do it cosplay like, you know, cause yellow trench coat with dishwashing gloves is just not gonna be cool <laughs> cinematically. So I wanted to give it more of like this, um, kind of grounded in reality. You know, I, we, see Jubilee she's she's clearly fashionable she's sporty so without giving her this kind of early 90s uh, late 80s kind of sporty need them all chick <laughs> you know yeah yeah and um you know she's also a little older too obviously she was driving so uh she's not I don't, I don't know what she was like 15 in the in the show uh, 13 when it started 13 okay yeah so ours is more like 18 to 21 ish probably but you know it again we wanted to kind of ground it in reality but we want to give you that that iconic look so you know you know who it is you see the yellow and the blue and the glasses and the bubble gum and we <laughs> want to keep it you know entertaining to where you know you're still in that kind of animated universe but also grounded in this kind of thriller creepy like 90s cinematic universe yeah mm -hmm. well it's very effective i'm, I'm a big fan <laughs> already i'm excited that Yay. you're here <laughs> thank you i man i 
you guys you gotta you gotta watch the teaser. It's it's really exciting. Okay. It's yeah, only it's, it's only a minute and a half, but um, it gives you yeah. a, a good idea of what is to come. Nice. Okay, I'll add Check that one to the yeah, episode. For sure. Cool. So let's get into our episode. So last week, our last time we spoke to you all, Sexy Xies, was a little while ago. So this is actually, um, you may not even remember this question, but on our previously <laughs> on, we asked you, would you turn into an alien for the one you love? So Joshua, this comes after the Love in Vain episode where uh, Cody comes back and kind of turns Rogue <laughs> into an alien. Would you let yourself be turned into an alien for the person that you love? Uh, yes. Yes, I think so. Um, and that also reminds me a lot of that movie Skyline, I think it is. Uh, the alien movie. And the way that ends um, with him, you know, protecting uh, his girlfriend uh, as an alien, the brain, you know, was in love was so strong that it transferred over to the alien body. I always found like a real attachment to that. I was like, that's really cool because, you know, you hope that when you leave here in this universe that, you know, your, your passions and the people that you've touched and connected with can follow onto whatever that next thing is. So I definitely think that it's worth it to be able to transcend yourself like that. So yes, I would definitely give myself, I guess, <laughs> for the power of love. <laughs> you just had such a good answer that you made me ashamed that I said no. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I couldn't remember what I said. I'm like, did I say no? I think I did. <laughs> I think you said no, and our thing was, yeah. what, if, uh, what if it doesn't last? But I really like that answer because I feel like you I got know. into like energies and the thought of like almost reincarnation. So that was mm -hmm. actually yeah. very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, our listeners are on Joshua's side because 56% said yes, they would turn into an alien for the one that they love. So we were in the wrong, Kevin. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And on this week's episode, we're looking into The Juggernaut Returns. So this one actually aired May 6th of 1995. So interestingly enough, it aired in season three after Orphan's End. So this is another example of it airing all out of order. But it was supposed to have been the opening of season four. It was written by Julianne Clem and directed by Larry Houston. And I thought I'd throw this out there, but there is actually, this is very timely, there is a very quick blink and you'll miss it Kang pop up in this season somewhere. Oh. So I'm going to leave it to you to find it, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to miss it, but sure. <laughs> okay. Do you recall, Joshua, when Kang pops up or that he pops up? No, I don't. Okay, yeah, it's very quick. And <laughs> I remember when I was younger, I never knew who this character was because he's not necessarily dressed in the King outfit that we know him as. He's in one of his alternate forms. Uh, well, <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's go ahead and start reading through our episode. Okay. 
So scene one. On March 29th, in an abandoned temple, exuberant nerd Eugene Turbot Wienerspan <laughs> finds the tablet of Sidorak. But not tablet like that kind of tablet, because they weren't invented yet. <laughs> like a legit rock <laughs> tablet, biblical. <laughs> Luckily, even though he's alone, Eugene tells the rules of Sidorak. Let me just say this out loud, because I'm so excited. I thought it was a woman at first when I first heard the voice and not the person. I'm like, is that a woman? But no, it's this nerdy guy. Um, <laughs> whoever has the ruby gets the power. Oh, no, he doesn't have the ruby. Oh, oh no. <laughs> now, I looked this up because I was I thought for sure who I knew this voice was, but it's uncredited. But I think it's Rob Paulson from Animaniacs fame and, you know, Yucca oh, Warner. I think it's yeah. him. I know there's a lot of uncredited voices in this series because there's been yeah. times when I'm like, I'm sure that's this person, but it's really hard to locate these voices. Mm hmm. <laughs> so we start this episode, we finally get an answer to what happened to Juggernaut after he was flung into the ocean. So what are your thoughts on this finally coming up in the series? My immediate thought was, uh, how does he breathe underwater? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, because he does have like kind of a shieldy thing we see sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he that was underwater. Well. It seemed like a long time. And I'm like, what did you eat? How do you pee in your juggernaut outfit? Like, what were you doing down there? It, it, yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's not explained at all. Yeah, he had that kind of force field around him under the water. And yeah, he must have walked probably hundreds of miles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm the, free. Juggernaut <laughs> lives. <laughs> yeah. The, also, the funny thing is, like, you know, that whole situation, um, you know, that wasn't had anything to do with Charles. So the fact that, like, the first thing he wanted to do was go get back at his brother was uh, really strange. <laughs> yeah, he's very dedicated to the killing of Charles. Like, and we. We see why in this episode, but it's like, yeah. that's it? That's what you're mad about? <laughs> yeah, it, it just kind of, like, why is that the first thing that popped in you? I would have, you know, taken a break after getting thrown that far, you know, just like take a couple of days off. He's not yeah. a very nuanced character. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, after walking the ocean floor, for glob knows how long is this supposed to say glob? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, we're just we're just dorky like that. It's glob knows of how long. Time. Yeah. <laughs> glob knows how long. Juggernaut resurfaces on a busy bridge, stopping traffic. As he shimmers like Tinkerbell, he throws cars off the bridge and calls for revenge against Charles, his dear stepbrother. Jugs turns a taxi into a convertible and drives off. The police give chase. Juggs does an intense turn into without signaling, knocking a pole in front of the cops and heads towards Westchester. Yeah. <laughs> now, also, I, I thought it was really strange. Like, how did he just walk out of the ocean? Now he's onto a bridge. He's just like, surprise. <laughs> true. Oh, that's that is that's, a, that's true. A, quite a leap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although that cute um, sea lion with the fish, 
Now I was, he was yeah. like, "Hey, camera!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, I, I, I forgot the he punches a shark. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, I, I'm I a shark. <laughs> that, that was really unnecessary. <laughs> I know. Um, I did like the small detail they added to remind us, though, that Juggernaut's not a mutant, so that's why he got offended because he's a person. I'm not a mutant. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. not a mutant. I just so want to stick mutant detail. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. expecting Tom Holland and Green Goblin, Green Goblin on this bridge for some reason, but <laughs> it definitely gave you that vibe. It, yeah, it, it felt like that moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, back at the manor, Xavier calls for Beast. He's watching Fox News and sees that Juggernaut is back and probably heading their way. Right on time, Juggernaut shows up. The school's defenses kick in, but Juggernaut easily dispatches them. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this line when Juggernaut gets there. Here's Juggy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's classic. Is that a mm-hmm. '90s moment, or is that too? Oh, should it be? We can count I it. Don't know. You got me. '90s moments. Yeah. All right, we'll count it. (laughs) (laughs) When he said that, it reminded me of when Wolverine said, I go where I want to (laughs) go. Yes. And you know what? Uh, We were actually, we started a counter for how many times Wolverine says that, but it turns out he only says it in the first two episodes, so our counter (laughs) didn't go on very long. (laughs) Yeah, and our get down counter was a fail. I don't know. Yeah. At least well, the gene chasms have still some. have gene chasms. Yeah. <laughs> Just then, back in the temple, oh, Eugene Turbot Wienerspan finds the gem of Sidorak and holds it up, a boo-style infidels. Yes. Um, <laughs> at the same time, we see Charles reach out psychically to gather his X-Men. Rogue and Storm are shopping, naturally, and the sales lady are like, what's up with them? (laughs) (laughs) Wolvie and Psyche are visiting Morph and Moira on Muir Island, and Jubilee is at a pool party. Gambit is fixing a bus, and Jean (laughs) is... uh, (laughs) Yeah, fixing a bus. And (laughs) Jean is, oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They never give us a reason for Jean not being in this episode. She's just MIA. Yeah. Mm. Uh. Hmm. (laughs) um how about that outfit that storm was in though yeah it was yeah i really liked it just for a moment i was like oh shoot she got a whole new look Mm -hmm. it was just that moment just that moment and that blowout maybe it was something at the mall let's go to the mall everybody (laughs) (laughs) hey robin sparkles That was that was a good one. Um, yeah, I I, th- I thought that she was just gonna have a whole new look, but then like thirty seconds later, she's back to yeah, her regular shoulder pads. Yep, <laughs> which is a cool look too. But um, yeah, it was interesting that they switched it up. But just right there, <laughs> as Xavier is trying to get an answer from anyone, Juggernaut enters the enters the manor 
Xavier meets Jugs in the danger room and uses holograms and tomfoolery to distract him. As Xavier tries to learn why Jugs is always trying to hurt him, Beast enters the fracas. Did I say that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fracas. I've, I've never heard that word for some reason. <laughs> Mass destruction of the danger room ensues. Yes. <laughs> he, he did a lot of smashing in the danger room. It's always interesting how fast things manifest in the danger room and they're actually like robots, you know, like where are they all hiding under the floor? Yeah. I've never thought about that. They must be coming out of the floor or the walls or something. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you got a Hulk cameo in here too. Don't worry about us, Stingo. We'll make sure we can. Cameo. Yes, I have that down here. We have the Hulk, even though it's not really the Hulk, but it's still fun yeah. that we got the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, they did that a lot, too, um, in the uh, Mojo universe. Who was it they showed? Like Punisher and Ghost Rider. And Dazzler. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. Um, Dazzler's <laughs> cool, too, because she's like Jubilee. they pretty much part of that same mutant genetic strand i think yeah mm-hmm. i can see that <laughs> they're we'll say they're cousins yeah sparkles <laughs> i'll tell you right now joshua if dazzler shows up in your future videos i'm gonna scream like a schoolgirl because i am a huge dazzler stan over here <laughs> okay oh, i'll see what i can do <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean, I'm already getting Mr. Sinister. He's my guy. But yeah, if I get Dazzler too, then <clears throat> the screaming will ensue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I thought about it too because I, I do like the character, especially the look of the character. My only thing would be, you know, where, how does she separate from, you know, kind of like Jubilee? Because you can't show that much in the same thing, you know, because it'd be like, oh, they do the same thing. But at the same time, I guess they could. Yeah, it could be fun to show more of Dazzler's like um, uh, singing persona. Yeah, like that's true. Yeah, she could be singing at a at a club or something in the background. Yeah, <laughs> like a doing all her dazzles. Yeah, yeah, razzle dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So at that very moment, Eugene Turbot Weederspan does a horror movie no-no and reads the inscription aloud from the tablet of Sidorak. Rhyme time, Kevin, rhyme time. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Whosoever possesses the sacred gem shall prepare himself to receive the crimson bands of Sidorak. Read these words and go from this place a human juggernaut. Does this pass your um, rhyming spell conventions? Is this an okay spell? Yeah, I mean, it's not rhymey, but it is very declarative and powerful, and I will take it. <laughs> okay, okay. Back at the manor, Juggernaut is about to kill his dear stepbrother when he goes all red glowy. <laughs> he thinks this is Xavier's doing. Jugs throws Xavier and screams like a little boy as his powers fade. Wah! <laughs> Beast, <laughs> na- Beast narrowly gets Xavier to safety as the danger room collapses. 
Yeah, so this was a lot. The danger room actually like fell in on itself and yeah. it's pretty much just destroyed at this point. Yeah, who has get... to fix that? Beast? Yeah. Yeah, probably Beast. I'm thinking Beast. Beast. And maybe some telekinetics if they can get him in there to help move things around. <laughs> and be the not there. And then, I there know. Be, what are we gonna do? There must be a you know, some secret workers they got. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like they've never established that who builds all of this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah, cause we've seen crew. them in the danger room many times, like destroying these robots, like willy nilly. So somebody's got to fix them all. And I did like how Xavier was, you know, using that as an illusion. You know, kind of. It was funny because you know he's just kind of scooting around here to there. <laughs> he can't run or attack. It's just like try to trick him and scoot around. <laughs> yeah, I like that we get to see, because a lot of times Professor X is just in the background, like telling the X-Men what to do. But here we actually get to see if he's powerless, we get to see the kind of thinking that goes on his head and how he's trying to get through to Kane mm -hmm. as a person. So we really get to yeah. see him kind of in action. What, yeah. I think it was the that other time that he had, I don't know if it was... The episode where they go to space, um, I think it was, he slips, he has like a little compartment. He slips out of the front of his wheelchair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, For the Phoenix yeah, Saga, right? Dark Phoenix yeah, Saga. Yeah. So I, I always thought that was really unique, the little escape compartment they added there. <laughs> I wonder if there was foresight mm -hmm. to his chair, like they designed all of those things up top, like, okay, he's going to be able to do all of these things at some point. Or if they were like, okay. I imagine, I imagine that's his poop shoot. That's where it all just comes out <laughs> the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rogue and Storm fly into the scene just in time to be useless. Beast tells them the Juggernaut is trapped and powerless, and Xavier wants them to save Kane. Rogue doesn't like this plan, but the three reluctantly start looking for Kane. So this is where I kind of noted the outfits a little bit more. I was kind of saving it for this scene. Mm -hmm. oh. We saw Rogue and Storm in civilian clothes at the mall, but Rogue took the time to get changed into her outfit. But Storm, <laughs> who's able to magically shift into her, her shoulder yeah. pad, she's like, nope, I'm going to stay in this outfit because I just bought this. I look hot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, they they do that a lot, it seems. You know, they just kind of, they had that like super MCU nanotech outfit changing ability before, mm -hmm. before now. <laughs> Before Tony yeah. started. <laughs> it started here with the X-Men, just saying. <laughs> I guess maybe that's what the, the capes and the trench coats, they, they're like, like uh, reverse jackets. Oh, that's a good idea. They should have reversible clothes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Make it easy. <laughs> It's yeah. like those sequin pillows. You can move to one way and the other way. <laughs> <laughs> also, sometimes they wear flight suits. I don't know if you remember uh, back when Jubilee, she uh, flew her little jet and she had that pink and gray um, kind of mm -hmm. jumpsuit type thing, um, which I thought was really cool, but I, I don't recall ever seeing her wear that again. 
and do you know i think they should do more flight suits yeah i agree because that was the closest thing she had to like a superhero outfit because usually mm-hmm. she's just in her little daisy dukes but i really <laughs> like that pink and grayish white outfit like it looked really good on her it made her seem like a legit x-man so i'm with yeah. you on that one i want more mm-hmm. of that i think i might have to flip it and, and put it into the sinister saga with her and this pink and pink and gray jumpsuit would be kind of dope yes <laughs> <laughs> You know, her with the pink and gray jumpsuit, Dazzler in the background. Like, this is all coming together. I'm really seeing See? this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Kane is now knocked out in the infirmary. Beast reports that Kane is losing strength rapidly and will die if he doesn't regain his powers. Charles wants to save him, while Rogue and Storm want him to just die already. <laughs> Xavier demands that Cyclops and Wolverine go to the Temple of Sidorak and regain that gem. So let's take a room check here. What's the pulse? Um, are we on Charles's side or the X-Men's side? What should we do with this Kane situation? Oh, uh, I mean, mm, <laughs> I guess I'm more in the X-Men's side just because we know that Juggernaut is just like on a mission and he won't be, his mind won't be changed. But maybe Xavier sees something in his mind that we don't see. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm definitely not with Xavier on this one. <laughs> I think that he should have said his piece and said, hey, Comey, if you can make it through this, you know, <laughs> we'll help you recover on the other side. But, you know, it's time for you to give up this juggernaut thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Throwing now, just to, be, <clears throat> just to be devil's advocate, in the comics... Juggernaut does eventually become good. So if they let him die, he would have never made that transition to the side of good. So now how do we feel? Yeah, and I tried to also think about it like, okay, if that was my brother, but, you know, and then we learn a little more about the story. I'm like, man, I don't know if this guy wants to do any type of good. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's always potential, and that's what's cool about being human, I guess. But based on this episode, we just see him being a jerk his whole life, being a bratty kid. Like, yeah. so we don't get a lot of context of even that glimmer of goodness in him until maybe the end. But that's what I mean. Yeah. But even then, yeah. it was, it's not really goodness. It's like, okay, I won't yeah. right. fight you right now, but I'm coming <laughs> back. Mm-hmm. Cause he says, I mean, he says directly, like I'm, uh, what, like I'm always gonna, <laughs> You're always, you're always going to worry about me, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I was just being devil's advocate, but I'm more sure. on your side. Yeah. Like, I think they should have left him to rot because, <laughs> like, he's just always a jerk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was time. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Back on the Blackbird, Cyclops ain't happy about what Xavier wants them to do. Beast takes over from Rogue and explains that Kane is Xavier's stepbrother. <gasps> Wolverine don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know if you gentlemen noticed, but when Rogue was on the screen, the middle of her white hair was like brown. So it's like brown, <laughs> white, brown for a second. And then she moved and it corrected itself. That's funny. Oh, I did not <laughs> notice. But no. 
I usually do like to notice those. I notice a lot when um, sometimes they forget to color Wolverine's pants. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's that. And there's a lot of those actually in there, especially the first season. It got kind of jumpy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, cheap animation issues because of Mr. Hayam Saban. Yeah. And uh, actually, a, a friend of mine texted me yesterday. The I don't know if it was like the original ending that they had uh, done by some Japanese animators, and it was amazing. Oh so, yeah. I don't know why they didn't just keep it, keep the budget there because that was that was dope. <laughs> I can actually talk to that one. So they uh, because of the popularity of X Men in America, they wanted to show it in Japan. But in order to make it a little more for the culture, they created a whole new like beginning and ending. Mm. And yeah, they're just gorgeous. The animation, even the song, the really anime, like shock. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they, had, they only they got that over really in Japan. Cool movement. I loved it. Yeah. It was really cool. But obviously they wanted to go for the more Jim Lee style um, art. Uh, which was really huge at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that would be disappointing about the really cool beginning and end is like, you get this kind of not great animation in the middle. So you start off with this. Yeah, this looks awesome. And you get this (laughs) kind of retro animation. (laughs) That's true. But Iceman shows up in there. So I'm a fan because he's my fave. Oh, he's your (laughs) fave. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't we didn't ask you, Joshua. Do you have a favorite X Men? Oh man. Well, it's man, it's so hard to say because uh, you know I started my universe with Jubilee because I like Jubilee, and but I can't help but not like Wolverine probably the most. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I also really like Rogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She yeah. seems to be popular. Oh, very popular. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Rogue is really cool. Cool. Meanwhile, Juggernaut Eugene Turbot <laughs> Wider Span. <laughs> is is that really his name? Yeah. Yeah. He says it. <laughs> Wider Span. Drives a jeep into town, ready to take party. He a- accidentally takes the steering wheel with him, with his newfound strength. He walks up to his apartment, ready for some women. <laughs> He's like, "I'm a hunk. <laughs> Let me walk over here." <laughs> and then the glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I think it's very interesting that this was written that, you know, Kane is in a bed dying and <laughs> Eugene Turbot Wiederspan is like, I just want to fuck some woman. Like, I just want to be big so I can get some chicks. So it's very, yeah. like, an interesting dichotomy going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's not the normal um, nerdy revenge story kind of thing. It was, it's like, okay, I just want to go and get laid and, and be the cool guy and it's yeah, funny that yeah. in his mind you know to be 
the cool guy, he needed to be buff and big. So he did all this research on a magic stone that he went excavating <laughs> for. You know, that's just like. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about supernatural powers. I just want to be buff. Like, yeah, you could have yeah. gone to the gym, you that's know. Like, that would have saved you a lot of time. How long? <laughs> also, who hit it there? Did the juggernaut hit it there? I don't Actually, know. He, yeah. he must have, because he would have been the last one to have had the stone in order to turn yeah. into the juggernaut. Uh-huh. Huh. Let me hide it in this uh, temple. Plan. <laughs> Where this tablet that has all exactly what I need. <laughs> it should be bit more difficult to get to, I would think. Yeah. yeah. At least separate the two to, instead of putting them in the same spot, you can at least put them in separate places. Like the tablet and the right. stone. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know from Juggernaut he's not the brightest though, so are we yeah. surprised? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, back in the infirmary, Beast monitors Kane's health. It's declining. I had to make it more dramatic because that was my only like little line, so I had to really hold it out there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so back at Eugene Turbot, Wienerspan's apartment, apartment, we got the worst episode of Cribs ever as he wanders around and accidentally breaks everything with his strength. Screw you, refrigerator door. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to stop a spider and falls through the floor as it breaks under him. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that part was just really strange. I guess uh, the neighbor downstairs started playing the guitar or something. I think that's what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's, but the music is so low, you can't really hear it. But it's weird that, like, all of a sudden he's like, I'm just going to stomp it out. (laughs) Yeah. Beast continues to monitor Kane. He suggests a psychic probe by Charles to try to help him. Kane screams, Get out! Charles takes this as an okay to keep going. We see little Charles and Kane at their childhood home. We see Charles get knocked down and bullied. Kane's dad, Kurt, comes and scolds Kane. We see a deeper plot where Kurt Marco is using Sharon Xavier, Charles's mom, for her money. Later, at dinner, Kane reveals that he's going to boarding school. Charles has a psychic attack and sees his mom, and she's very ill. This got heavy. Like, this yeah, episode so far has been kind of lighthearted, and this is heavy. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's it a like, weird Yeah, be nice to the brother, otherwise her mom might leave me, but she can't leave me until she dies. So, come on, <laughs> play nice. <laughs> oh, awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, granted, so, I, although I don't think Kane deserved to be such a bully because of his dad, um, his dad was just unnecessarily rude to him. You know, the way that he just like, (laughs) he threw him out of the way. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was when they were, uh, I don't know if they were riding horses or what, but he just like grabbed him and tossed him (laughs) out of the way. And it was like, dang man, it's messed up. But it's weird that, you know, he knew his plan about, uh, Kane knowing his dad's plan about uh, Xavier's mom, but uh, 
he still seemed to not he he thought that like he likes Charles more than me but he knew that mm-hmm. was just the plan to inherit right. the money I guess so I don't know because he's like you know he I got to get rid of the kid or he's gonna <laughs> ruin my plans. Kane is a dumb. He's dumb. He doesn't get it. Yeah, he just can't he, compute. He's just like a bad, a bad dog, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good point. You would think that he would go along with his dad's plan and know that Charles is just an ends to a mean, yeah. but he takes it personally. Like, no, you like him more than me. <laughs> yeah. He, he never said that or, or showed that yeah. at all, other yeah. than tossing him out of the way, which was really rude. But <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this is actually um, very similar to what we see in the comics. Uh, Charles does learn later that his mom was being used for the money. But stupid Charles, he still loves Kane and his brother, even after he finds this information. <laughs> yeah, so now knowing that, the, uh, and then seeing that Xavier wants to save Kane, it, it doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, man, you know, like he, he just hates you. Like, <laughs> He don't like you, so yeah, you're doing him no you're you're doing nobody any favors by saving him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> also, yeah. he gave it as an order, and I thought that was really rude of him. He said, "I'm not asking." Mm-hmm. I thought, like, whoa, you need to slow <laughs> down, buddy. He putting people in danger. <laughs> yep, I agree. He was very dictatory in this episode. The way he was bossing mm-hmm. everybody around. Cool. So modern Kane interjects and tells Charles he was sent away because of him, the seed of his hatred. Charles doesn't believe it at first. Back in the past, we see Kurt telling Kane he has to stay away until he can learn to be nice to that geeky Charles. An um, uns, uh, an um, upset. I don't know why I can't speak all of a sudden. An upset Charles pulls away psychically and goes to the window. He tells Beast he learned more than he bargained for. Xavier tells Beast he thought Kurt loved him and his mother, but he was just using them for the money. Oh, yeah. And like little boy Charles with his blonde hair, ooh, he's like, I thought my mom was getting better. And what, what's, what was the weird accent, too? He had like this British accent. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, I'm just thinking about that. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, she's doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> did we ever oh. see her? Yes. We did? Oh, well, she came. She walked in and she looked okay, but uh, I didn't see her like dying anywhere. Yeah, because they make it seem like she's just like off in the other wing, some, you know, just with nurses or something. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, what's the relationship? Why is she even in a relationship if she's, like, dying? Well, I think if I remember right, Charles's father had passed away not too long ago. And it was actually because of Kurt, who had a hand in killing the father and getting close to Sharon. And I I think he was poisoning her. A lot of times, my problem is I go off memory. I should have looked this up before we started this, but I think he was poisoning her, which is why she's so sickly. I don't like this. I get, like, heebie-jeebies after all this. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't fun to you? (laughs) (laughs) An origin story for this wouldn't be a good 
get watched. <laughs> cringy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cringy. Back in what seems to be an Asian country, Eugene Turpin, reader span, goes to a You're group welcome. of girls. Yeah, <laughs> it's him again. <laughs> goes to a group of girls and tries to impress with his strength. Wolverine and Cyclops show up and engage the new juggernaut. They get thrown into a club, which has the same floor as the place in Charm, season 9, issue 24. Oh, <laughs> the power of 300. Out this week on Words of the Witches. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and how did you know I would get this scene? That's so timely and perfect. Anyway. I just got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Cyclops blasts Eugene, knocking the gem free. Wolvie and Psych grab it and escape in the Blackbird. Eugene jumps to grab the Blackbird, by more, but more than narrowly misses landing in a Power Rangers set. Oh! <laughs> First of all, the little... Scene that comes out, it was like body heat, whatever, on the dance floor. That was really fun. It was like Olivia Newton John singing or something. And then we come into like this 90s moment of this set that has Power Rangers. And it looks like Barney was in there too. Like it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and one uh, thing I wanted to call, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I wanted to call attention to when he's flying towards the building on the top of the building, it says Bandai Films. Yeah. Because Bandai was uh, filming over there. But it's funny because both uh, X-Men and Power Rangers were Hayam Saban. So that's mm-hmm. why this was probably so easily inserted in there because they were yeah. under the same owner. But they even did – did you catch the little like knockoff Power Rangers tune that played really quick? Yes. No, I missed the music. Oh, that's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, it was very subtle. It was almost like uh, how they did it in um, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was just like a little subtle. It was just <laughs> there. Yeah. As they were leaving, it went, do, 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 <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Which will later go on to be Kim Bossible's call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, I like that. It was, I, I thought it was weird, though, when he was holding the tables more dancing, more music. Like it's just like of all the things you you could have wanted strength for <laughs> to hold up tables of girls and say more dancing, more music. <laughs> I don't know, it was really really unique. And I feel like if I was at that club and saw somebody pick up two tables, I wouldn't be partying. I'd be like scared. Like, I'm like what are you I'm doing? Like, I'm, man? I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, this does not look good. <laughs> he also ripped off the wall to get in. So yeah. nobody said anything to him. Then you know, I guess it's just like he's he's the guy. He's the life of the party now. <laughs> That's true. Things are very different in the 90s. You could rip off walls and walk in. Can't do that now. No. <laughs> he broke everything that he touched. Mm-hmm. Back at the manor, Cyclops reports in that they have the ruby. Xavier continues his raping of Kane's mind and demands Kane show him the day he returned from boarding school. Lil Kane and Charles are playing polo. <laughs> What a hard life. <laughs> Xavier suddenly has a psychic attack and sees Kane angry that Kurt likes Charles more than him. Kane gets mad Xavier read his mind. 
present Charles asks forgiveness, but Cain calls Charles out for continuing to read his mind against his will. So what do we, how do we feel about Charles at this point? Because he continuously is going into Cain's brain, even though Cain is obviously like, no, get out of there. I don't know. I normally don't like this, but I'm not as mad about it this time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah, given the circumstance, he, it's important for him to understand what he's going to be saving, I guess, who he's going to be saving. Mm -hmm. So like, what is going on with this guy? You know, what's troubling him? And at that moment is, you know, he should have determined like, I don't know, man. It really got it out for me, but uh, yeah, I I think I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's him trying to figure out: is he worth saving? Is this somebody that that will be okay? Will be good for us? You know, is there something about him that's good? <laughs> and I guess that's the, the the thing we're challenging this whole episode. And yeah, it gives him reasonable cause to go do it. Yeah. Cool. Well put that question in your back pocket because we'll revisit that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in the meantime, there's a cameo in this little scene. Don't worry about us, Dingo. We'll make sure we can. Cameo. In Kane's room. Did you notice it? I don't know. (laughs) There was a Captain America figure on his desk. Oh, really? I did not (laughs) notice that. That's all right. I've got the eagle eye. Yeah. Okay. We enter into a new flashback. Kane and Charles are now older because they're in suits. We see Kane push Charles into a puddle and call him a mutie in front of their friends. And Sandra, Xavier's crush. Xavier is hurt and is thrown back into the present. The memories are affecting him more than he expected. Oh, this thing's like, mutie, mutie, mutie. I'm like, is that the only word you know? I'm like, I'm getting tired of it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think of some other ones. <laughs> yeah. He went pretty hard. <laughs> mutie. Yeah. And not in front of Sandra. Hot. Not so- oh. Supple Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier goes outside to get some air. As he stares at a pond, he sees the reflection of the blackbird returning. A large fish and storm coming to comfort him. <laughs> oh, now she's in her uniform, her her you know shoulder paddy uniform. Oh yeah, yeah. Charles tells Storm she can't expect him to forgive Kane since he is such a shit person. <laughs> storm tells him that's cool. Like I don't like him either. <laughs> Xavier tells Storm to tell Beast that he'll return shortly. <laughs> And this is more of Xavier bossing people about. Like, he could have mentally just been like, yo, beast, I'll return shortly. But he has to power play and be like, woman, go tell beast I'll be up shortly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, also, uh, back to the club with uh, Wolvie and Psyche getting that stone, um, they dipped out quicker than they've ever (laughs) <laughs> on anything they just they grabbed it and then were like we out and took off you know like they, it was no challenge it was 
is really unique because they usually have to have a big old showdown. <laughs> Wolverine usually gets beat up, beat up a bit more, and um, yeah, they are just like cool. Pass the rock. Yeah, that's a good point. This is a very unactiony episode. It's a lot more just storytelling. Mm-hmm. A lot of talking. Yeah. Back in the infirmary, Xavier is now holding the gem. He seems to be wrestling with whether to help Kane or not. Xavier makes a last-ditch effort to get through to Kane and once more invades his mind. In his mind, Xavier confronts Kane and tells him he sent the X-Men to retrieve the gem to save him. Kane tells Xavier he'll never stop coming for him as long as he lives. Xavier lets Kane know that it's his burden he'll have to live with and bounces. All right, so meanwhile, Eugene Turbot Weederspan is dancing in the club while holding two tables full of women. <laughs> the club goers are eating it up. In his mind, Kane invokes the spell of Sidorak from memory. He calls the power of Sidorak back to him. We see Eugene turn back to normal. He throws a table off a hot woman and then faints. So I kind of <laughs> like that um, we see, even as a regular guy, like just being a stand-up person and helping this lady, like she kind of swoons for him, but then he yeah. faints anyway. <laughs> yeah. But I love her. She's like, here's my hand. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, ah! Oh! And then he's like, oh no, the girl likes me. Oh, I know what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. So I have this piece of information for you to chew on and think about. So if Kane loses his power and he's dying because of it, does this now mean that Eugene is dying? Yeah. And maybe maybe it has to do with how long you've had the power, too, yeah. because you're gonna have had it for so long. He's probably absorbed more into it, and so it's it's more draining. I think after one day, it might have drained a little bit of him eventually, but it's not going to be like like the same effect. Okay. I yeah, I don't know. I I think that maybe it should take more of a toll because Kane is a stronger person already physically and possibly mentally. So having that power. Um, I think would take more out of you, mm-hmm. it leaving you, because it leaving Kane, leaving him in the deathly spot, and it's not like he it aged him more after that. He was still physically the same person. So it, it's yeah, it's. I think they just decided to skip over that part. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll leave that for somebody else to deal with. Yeah, and he's only in this episode, so maybe he died. You know. Yeah, that wasn't him fainting. That was him dying. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh. All right, so back at the manor, the power of Sidorak re-enters Kane once again, restoring him to the juggernaut. He gets up and the X-Men watch in bated breath to see what he's going to do. Like, <gasps> juggernaut throws the gem into space and then leaves. Xavier surmises that this is Juggy's way of saying thank you. Aww. It's like, you see, he did not fight us again. Hmm. What a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so him throwing the rock in the space is probably what got him into this situation. In the I first know. Place. Somebody else can still find that gem somewhere in the, in the space reverse. <laughs> yeah. 
that was a dumb yeah, move for sure. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what I thought. Like, wouldn't it make sense to have it on your person? You're the you're the strongest and most reliable person to protect the thing that's keeping you alive. So, yeah, I don't know. Throwing it off into nowhere seems like a dumb idea. I mean, you can because look like a ring. You can even put it on your finger. Keep it in your helmet. It's not hard. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, inside the helmet compartment would work good. Yeah, I'm not sure. Just nestle it against his face. Yeah, and just... exactly. <laughs> also, um, Eugene took that helmet off really easily too. He just like, right? He had the helmet. Was mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. He he just popped it off. And does the the suit, the juggernaut suit that comes with the power? Hmm. But yeah, we see, um, we haven't seen Kane without the suit in the show, but he is able to go without it. So we see it through Eugene in this episode, but Kane can do that too. So you can just kind of call it to you? Maybe. I I don't know, actually. I don't know if he has to like physically take it off or if he calls it to him like Power Ranger style, but... Shazam! Shazam! (laughs) Yeah, because I I always thought that the purpose of his his suit and his helmet was to is kind of like Magneto's to keep like the psyche the psychic out of his head, but Mm -hmm. I guess maybe not. That's true, though. You're right because the the reason Juggernaut is so formidable is because they can't get through the helmet. Mm -hmm. So, and Eugene Turbot Wiederspan taking off the helmet, they should have just been able to end it just by being like, hey, right. you, come here. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I did some digging for both of you. So here's why I called Sidorak the drama, the potster, because in X-Men 543, it was the fear itself storyline. And uh, hammers were thrown that different people, when they picked it up, it powers them. And one of the hammers was picked up by Cain. He was called Kurth. And so because he was possessed by not only Sidorak by Kurth and Kurth, uh, Magic and Colossus went to Sidorak and was like, yo, that guy's not representing you anymore. He's kind of like representing Kurth now. So maybe you should like come into me, Magic, because I'm going <laughs> to represent you more better than he is right now. It's Kurth. And Sidorak's like, you know what, hot demon chick? You're right. I will bestow this power. And he gives it to Colossus. <laughs> so instead of giving it to magic, he gives it to Colossus. <laughs> Sexist, that's what it is. Yeah. And we've also seen... Um, in Sidorak is very moved by like whoever is going to cause the most chaos in his name. So we've seen somebody convince him like, at one point, they were kind of like, well, Juggernaut's more good now, so he's not going to cause chaos. Give the power to me. So Sidorak is very, like, uh, what's the word? Fickle? He's very fickle mm-hmm. as a god. Mm-hmm. Um, we also saw another time where uh, the gem had been destroyed and lost, but Sidorak made it reappear in his temple, and Ahmet Abdul, who's also known as the Living Monolith, actually got the power that time, so he became like a giant juggernaut. 
and Colossus and Cain, it was kind of funny. Uh, they were both going to the temple, and when they got there, they started fighting until they realized that they had both gone to the temple to destroy the gem of Sidorak. Because <laughs> Cain was over it. He didn't want the power anymore, and he didn't want anybody to have it. But um, in order to stop the living monolith from destroying everything, he begged Sidorak for the power back. And this is where he had to really like sell. I'm going to cause mm -hmm. chaos in your name, Sidorak. Give it back to me. But the reason why I wanted to point this out is because we've seen in the comics many a time that you don't die if you don't have the gem. Like Juggernaut's been without the gem many times. So this was a story element they put into oh. this episode, which I think kind of strengthens it because we really see mm -hmm. the X-Men have to ask themselves, do we help this guy who's bad or not? Because we know he's going to fight us if we help him. Right. Hmm. It seems to happen a lot with the X-Men. <laughs> mm -hmm. It does. <laughs> more and more. Um, one other thing I thought was funny is as much as Kane hates Charles, there was a storyline where Cyclops, when he has the Phoenix, he destroys Charles. And then Kane gets mad because he's like, wait, I was supposed to kill Charles. So he goes on a rampage to kill Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So, what did we think of this episode? It was deep. It, it had <laughs> it had some some deep stuff. Um, I learned a lot about Xavier, but I still don't understand his um, motives. Sometimes, I think that he should, you you know, use his uh, telepathy more, since that's you know his. Thing I think that he should also use his intuition better to not put the X Men in danger. Yeah, that's a good point. On a rating scale, Josh, would you say it's extreme, expected, or would you exit out? I think it was extreme. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to echo that. I think this one stands out. I think it's fun, but deep at the same time. I think they balanced everything really well in presenting this to children, but letting adults get just a little bit more out of it. So I, I'm extreming it. How about you, sir? Exactly the same. I'm extreming it because you're right. It is light. It's funny, but it also has those profound, beautiful messages and human understanding in it. And I like that a lot about it. So yeah, extreme in it. Nice. And then who would you say is your MXP, our most excellent player? Who would you say? <laughs> I would say... Uh, I Like, I want to give it to him, but I don't. But I'm going to. I'm going to say Charles, because he's the one who, like, guided everything that happened in this episode. And even if we don't fully agree with him wanting to help Juggernaut and bossing everybody around, at least, like, he's living his conviction. If you're going to believe something, at least, like, believe it all the way. But I'm not going to excuse the way he treated everybody, though. I give it to Xavier, too. Um, I think because I think it takes a lot of strength to look back at your history and look at how you were tormented and look at the bad things that happened to you and still give an olive branch and still choose empathy and choose peace. And that's, 
I mean, it's amazing. It's it's something that you know a lot of not a lot of people have the strength to do, and I don't think it's very. It's not something that's typically typical of Charles. Sometimes he's the one that's just doing the douchiest things, and this time he's <laughs> he's taking a, a peacekeeper route, and I really appreciate that. So I'm giving yeah. it to him. Yeah, I can agree. I I think that this is the first time we really see him step up and do some stuff, where usually he's very hands off and the danger room scene was really cool because we got to see him like in action in a, in a situation to where, I mean, aside from beast, you know, he had nobody to help him. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. We are all in agreement. <laughs> then it was Charles. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. And then what would you say is the X factor? So what is your favorite part of the episode or what makes it, uh, stand out in X-Men lore. I like the the deep stuff, you know. It it was wonky because, you know, the bullying stuff is just you know, kind of weird, but I like that they they take it there. You know, and that's one of the good things about X-Men is they always have those deeper messages and about, you know, doing the right thing even if it doesn't feel like the right thing. So I think that it, it, was, it was one of the deeper ones. Um, like you said, it wasn't a lot of action. It was a lot of storytelling. And there was a lot of different little backstories they had to fit in there really quick. It was, it was unique. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, my X Factor is the Cyclops Wolverine team up. It makes me giddy. It makes me happy. I love seeing them work you together know. and be bros and be, oh, uh, I, I just, my heart. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I, I, I'll second that actually, because like I said, <laughs> they moved in and out so quick and it's not their usual style. Um, <laughs> there's usually a little more banter between them, not on the same page, but I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, um, and this is a little bit fueled by the fact that I'm playing Last of Us 2 right now, which is very, like, revenge Everybody's, like, revenging on each other, and all these people are dying because of it. So I like that in a very simple way. Like, this kid's cartoon took us there with the reasons why Juggernaut is the way he is. Where, like, when we got Juggernaut in X3, The Last Stand, he's the Juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, bitch. Like, there's no reason or depth to him. And even in um, Pride of the X-Men, like, we got a pretty cool juggernaut, but we really don't get into the meat of his hurt. So I like that they really explored that in this episode, and we really finally get to see, you know, he's not just an unstoppable killing machine. He has his reasons that make sense to him to be a villain, which is what makes him a cool villain. Mm-hmm. Cool. And actually, I already asked you both the previously on question. So go ahead and take that question out of your back pocket, <laughs> because this week's question is, does Charles have a right to invade someone's mind to try to help them? I'm really curious because <laughs> we kind of on the show said yes, but let's see what our listeners have to say about this. Right. I say yes. There. <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm doing that. <laughs> Cool. So um, if people want more on your great shorts or just more, not like shorts like you're wearing, but film shorts, 
Where can people find you, Joshua? Um, well, the first place I would like you to go is to Kickstarter and check out X-Men Sinister Saga because we have a really cool teaser scene um, that kind of paves the landscape of the, the entire plot. And I think you guys are really going to like it. Nice. Um, so that's the next thing. Um, and then, of course, our YouTube at Casanova Films. Cool. Cool. And I will definitely check it out. And I'm going to Kickstarter right now. So you have a new fan right here. Yay. Oh, sweet. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we do got some amazing rewards and a lot of really cool stuff planned. But, you know, also we've done a lot of legwork already in producing this kind of proof of concept and it's really exciting i think that it's gonna be a fun ride very nice yeah it's gonna be great yeah cool how about you kevon sure uh you can follow my personal instagram at kgz87 and then you can also find sean and i on the podcast words of the witches where we are covering the charmed comic books right now and uh yeah it's it's going great we're still on a roll (laughs) (laughs) and this week you can catch me on marvelous galaxy of disney with more disney news or we went over the group uh quiverful this week on once upon a cult so you can see if we consider them a cult and what we think about them And thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week with a deal with the devil. 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 Bye. (laughs) Bye.